Do you remember a moment when you were at work and you asked yourself, is this enough? Am I making a difference with the work that I do? Am I fulfilled? Did you do anything about it? My guest on the podcast today, Genevieve Paturo, asked herself these very questions about 20 years ago. And she started volunteering at a shelter where children were brought when they were being taken away from their families. So they were really in crisis. And the experience changed her life, but what really made a difference was an encounter she had with a six-year-old girl. She will tell you about this story on the podcast today. She also wrote about it in her book, Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas. I can guarantee you're going to be inspired when you listen to the podcast today. My name is Wendy Green, and I am your host for Hey Boomer. Hello, hey Boomer listeners. Welcome to Monday. I hope everybody had a lovely weekend. I know I did. Um, So I was thinking, you know, as as I'm bringing our guest on today, Genevieve Paturo, I was thinking about the rituals that I had at bedtime with my kids. And it was a really special time for us. Uh, You know, they would have their baths and They would smell, you know how little ones, they smell so clean and that smell of shampoo and freshly brushed teeth and little rosy cheeks and it was so precious. And then we always had story time. So before they were actually reading themselves, I would have them each pick out like two books and we would snuggle up in bed, one under each arm and... um, You know, I would read these books to them and I just ate it up. I loved it. And I'm sure all of you had very similar experiences, but I'm, I'm sorry to say, I never thought about the children that didn't have those kinds of experiences, the children that didn't have a parent to read to them, that didn't have books, that were homeless and They just had the clothes on their backs. You know, they didn't even have pajamas. Genevieve knows these kids. And when she found them, she set out to do something about it. And we're going to hear her story today. It is, it is passionate. It is purpose driven. You're going to be very inspired by hearing Genevieve's story. Before I get there, though, I wanted to remind you about the summit that's coming up, the virtual summit, Boomers Thriving After the Pandemic, that is scheduled for June the 30th from 4 to 5.30 Eastern time. And as part of preparation, you know, I've been talking to the panelists. And so I was talking to one the other day and she said, you know, Thriving is not a word that is typically used 
when you're talking about people getting older, when you're talking about people in their 60s and 70s. And we thought, well, why not? Because that's what Hey Boomer is about. It's about thriving. It's about living life to your fullest for as long as you can. And that's what the boomers thriving after the pandemic is going to be about. So I hope you all will register for that. You can register on my website at heyboomer.biz and invite your friends. I'm telling you, this panel is amazing. It's going to be really a very meaningful and useful um, summit to attend. So I hope to see all of you there. And before I bring Genevieve on, uh, just one more thing, or maybe two. One more thing is that for you who are in the Greenville Spartanburg area of South Carolina, tune into your Carolina on Wednesday. I'm going to be a guest and I will be talking about Hey Boomer and the summit. So tune in, uh, let me know you're out there and give me your support. That always feels good. And you know that I love your questions. So please feel free to comment in the chat box, ask questions of me, of Genevieve, and let's get this conversation started. So I am going to bring Genevieve on. Hi there. Hi, Lindy. Hi, everyone. Good to see you. Thank you for inviting me on. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this, but I want to tell them a little bit about you before um, we get started. So Genevieve Paturo was a successful television marketing executive until she dramatically changed the direction of her life. She found her true purpose when a sudden voice inside her head challenged her life as she knew it. In 2001, so 20 years ago, she founded a hugely successful national nonprofit called the Pajama Program when a six-year-old girl's question changed her life. But I'm not telling you what that question is yet. <laughs> so they have delivered more than 7 million new pajamas and new books to children throughout their 63 chapters across the U.S., she is now a professional speaker and the face of the pajama program. And she's also a personal strategy coach. And she is sharing her life and leadership lessons that she's learned through this pajama program journey. And in fact, she told me she's going to do an in-person event. Yay. In, did you say in, a, in the fall, sometime in the fall, we're not exactly sure when, to help people that know what their purpose is or they are struggling to find that purpose, and they're, they, but they're ready to take the next step. So we're looking forward to that. She also published a book in 2020 called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas. And this book is a, not only an Amazon bestseller, it also just recently won the National Indie for Excellence Award in the inspiration category. So congratulations for that. Thank you. And it tells the story of the whole progression, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs of the pajama program. It really is a, a good book. Um, let's see, Genevieve has been interviewed on many local and national programs, and we'll cover some of that as we go along. She is married 
to Demo de Martelle. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah. Yay. And they live in Irvington, New York. So is there anything else that I left out that you would like to add? No, that's that covers it. <laughs> that covers it. Okay. So here you are kind of bopping along, but you had like a life plan. You were going to be super successful. You were this marketing executive. What happened? Well, yes, that's right, Wendy. I wanted to be Mary Tyler Moore, or, or I should say Mary Richards. <laughs> and I, I, I tell that story all the time because, you know, so many of us wanted, so many of us girls wanted to, wanted a mentor that, you know, was was Mary Richards. You know, she was a single independent woman looking to make it into man's world and, you know, reach that, that top, the epitome of what we thought was success and status. And she was my, my idol. And I was, I was doing that, which was very um, odd for my family. I'm the firstborn in an Italian family, father off the boat. And they expected me to get married and have, and have children, you know, grandchildren for them. But I had, you know, this other, other idea. And I was working toward that. And for 12 years, that, that was my path. And, and I loved it. I really did. I enjoyed every minute of it until what you alluded to before. One day in this crazy workaholic life that I had, I heard a voice that, that came from here. And I know it was my hard voice, I say now. And it must have been you know, itching to get out and I hadn't heard it more, but this time it was super, super loud. And I heard it ask me if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? And that's the day that I realized, you know, what was I really working for? Is this enough? That's a powerful question. So, yeah. yeah. So you heard that question and what was your answer? And, you know, surprisingly, it took me seconds to realize, no, it's not enough of a life. It wasn't fulfilling me. And, and I had never thought about these things. I just took a path that, you know, excited me. But I realized that maybe missing that boat of family and kids was something I should have thought about. And I was running so fast up, up, up um, that. I realized now, you know, my mid to late thirties, I wanted to have that, find that purpose. You know, what was I really doing? I thought it doesn't help anybody. It's, it's, you know, it's, I don't want to say fluff, but to me in that moment, I just thought it's not helping anyone or changing anything. And I thought about those children um, that I saw on the news and on TV. And I said, I didn't have my own, but Maybe there's something I can do for these children who are taken out of homes and, and circumstances where they're being harmed by those who are supposed to take care of them and help them, comfort them in some way. And I had to work. So I thought at night I could go maybe to a shelter, an emergency shelter, where the police and social workers brought these children and spend time and maybe read to them at night. And um, that's how everything started. And I brought bedtime books. They welcomed me and I sat on the floor of these shelters with these little kids who were so quiet and afraid. And I didn't know what had happened, but I knew it was bad. Yeah. They comforted me and gave me this stability for the hour I was there. And, um, you know, it was just such a reversal. I thought I was there to help them. They helped you. So, so 
you found a shelter first and and so you didn't really know too much about what you were getting into or how to do this Mm-mm. um how did you first develop a relationship with these kids well you know first i thought where could i find these kids when i realized you know i read stories in the papers and saw the news all the time and i called the police station and i mm. asked where they bring these children in new york city and my town in westchester who are in harm's way and they are the ones that told me that there are local shelters um you know government run private run and they gave me a couple of leads and and i tracked down a few and pre 9-11 in New York, you know, you could do what I did and call and say, hi, I'm a nice lady. Can I come with books and read to the kids? And and they would say, you sound like a nice lady, you know, sure. And yeah. that's how I, I went for the first time. And the staff there appreciated it and shared my name and um, info with their friends who ran shelters. So I started to, to read to these children in a couple of shelters once a week, twice a week for an hour at night. And the the big um, turnaround in my in my heart and my and my head came when I decided one night after storytelling that I wanted to see where they were going to sleep at night. I was just curious, and I, you never know what prompts you to say, "Let me follow." You know, instead of leaving to the left out the door, to the right and watch where they're taking these children. And when I looked in, it was just like you described, Wendy, at the beginning of the podcast. I saw when I stared at this room, this bare room with these children helped up onto small surfaces, sometimes more than one of them, nothing to change into, some of them crying. I saw in my mind all those nights of my mom and the bedtime she gave us and how much fun and love she gave us and you know our giggles and story after story. And of course she changed us into pajamas and not here, not anything that I had. And I thought, oh my goodness, how how sad, how sad they must be, how lonely they must feel. And as they were nudging me out, uh, I just turned to, to one of the ladies and I said, can I bring some pajamas next time? I don't know why that came out. I can still hear myself asking myself in the moment, why did I ask that? <laughs> and she said, sure, that'd be lovely. And I did. And then that's the night when, after I read, I told the kids I had a surprise for them. And they stood up and I put them in a, in a little line and I started to give them pajamas from this big bag that I you know, shopped all week. And when I came to a little girl who was about six and her pigtails were a mess and her clothes were tight and soiled, she was afraid and she wouldn't take them. She just kept shaking her head, no, no, no. And I didn't know why, I didn't understand. I kept trying and she kept saying, no, no, no. And finally, when she was the last one watching me, she wanted to watch me and they let her. I went over to her, she was standing with one of the staffers and I knelt down and I tried again. And I had I said, honey, these are pink and they'll match the pink in your purple shirt and they'll fit you. I know they will and they'll be so soft and I think you'll sleep really well. And that's when she hesitantly just leaned, leaned in and she said, what are pajamas? What are these? And I can still remember being dizzy. I didn't think I heard her right. And it really, it, it really, I've never felt rocked before, but but that rocked me to my core. And I and I found myself explaining to a little girl what pajamas were while while the other side of my, my brain was telling me stay calm, you know, don't lose it because she'll think, you know, she did something wrong. And and I 
managed to tell her what pajamas were. And, and she put them on with the staff person and she turned and she gave me a little smile and that was it. I was done. Uh, so that was where the seed was planted for the pajama program. That was it. I didn't even have a name. I kept calling it pajama thing, this pajama thing. What do I do with this pajama thing? Yeah. So, okay. So you're, you're now you're working full time. You're buying, you're buying children's books and pajamas in every size you can think of. You're hauling these bags. Hiding them from everyone. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now you decide you're going to turn this into something and you start to talk to your husband about a little bit and, and how, well, were you married then? Were you married? Well, I was, I was at this time, I met this great man and, you know, I'd never wanted to settle down and I just wanted to be married. So I met this great guy and I, I hadn't told anybody what I was doing, you know, because it was, it was an obsession, but I didn't even know how to put it into words. So he thought I was a career girl and I thought, okay, this will be a test. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm thinking about changing my career because this isn't really fulfilling. And even as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, I don't use these words, fulfilling purpose, you know, but they're coming out. And I said, I met these little, little kids and the more I meet, of them, the more pajamas I want to buy, they don't have any. And I don't know how I phrased it. And I said, I just, you know, was wondering your thoughts. And I said, okay, whatever he says is really going to be telling. And he said, go for it. Yeah. And I thought, wow. <laughs> That's good. So, so. Uh, I, I, I brought that up to him many, many times. If, if you read my book, well, you know, Wendy. Yeah. Um, many times when I, I could have really messed up big time in my marriage. And he, you know, he just told me I'm obsessed and he doesn't know what to do with me. I would say, you told me, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you had a lot of ups and downs with this, Jen. So, so kind of walk us through the beginnings of all of this. Once you actually well, decided it was a company or a nonprofit or whatever it was going to be. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know, I didn't know anything about nonprofit. I just knew it was an obsession. I just knew I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I just knew I had to do something because I would have gotten fired. I mean, I had no interest in my job. I was doing it. I got a paycheck. I did the bare minimum. I was embarrassed. It was not my MO. I was, you know, a corporate girl. I was loyal. I was hardworking. First one in, last one out. So when that wasn't happening anymore, I felt the eyes on me. And I, and I wasn't ready to tell anybody why. So nobody knew. No friends or family. And I didn't know what, what to do with it because I had a mortgage, I had, you know, expenses, and I did not know what a nonprofit was. I just didn't know how to make this not an obsession <laughs> and get back into the swing of my job. It just wasn't, it wasn't happening. And the, the more people that wanted to help, the more I had to really think about what is this? And I have a lot of lessons in my book. After every chapter, I have heart of the matter lessons about the chapter that, you know, came before it about the whole leap, jump, you know, because I just jumped in and I splashed around till I figured it out. And as most people and entrepreneurs, we're afraid to ask for help. We think we know it all. And that was a big mistake. And even when I tried to tell a friend who was a colleague in a different business, 
she looked at me like I'm crazy, you know, and I heard the words come out of my mouth. I want to give pajamas to kids instead of this, you know, job. And she, she just didn't get it. And every question, every attack, well, felt like an attack. Um, it just wasn't supportive. And I, it really was a blow because she was right. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was doing. So coming from that beginning was really hard. And, and when I work with people, I, I know if they're there. And I hope it's comforting to know that you can come out the other side if you're there. <laughs> yeah, because that is a really hard time when you're kind of splashing around, like you said, trying to figure out what what's the plan? I yeah. mean, I, I certainly have had people help me decide how to create a business plan because it's not, it doesn't, it's not, if you've been working in corporate America, you don't need to know that you just do your job. Right. <laughs> Show up every day. Yeah. 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 All right. So you're splashing around. Now you finally have told somebody she kind of blew the wind mm. out of your sails. Right. Right. Um, but you started to get family involved. So what was the first big, influx of support where you felt like, okay, you're now moving in the right direction. Right, right. Well, I had to get my cheerleaders in line. And that's a lesson I teach too. get your cheerleaders before you, you know, you talk to too many people because those naysayers are going to pack a punch. Right. And if you have those, those cheerleaders in your, you know, have your back, then they will, they will give you the strength to, to pick up again. Um, but what happened was the, the neighborhood got involved and, um, someone from a national magazine called and asked if they could write a little article and she stressed little. And I said, sure, you know, and she did. It was Parenting Magazine. And the article came out after 9-11 and in New York and everywhere, we, we couldn't do enough for each other after 9-11 in this country and certainly in New York. And everyone was, you know, in, in this open loving mood and whatever they could do to help. So. I didn't realize it, but the people who got the magazine as subscribers got it before it came on the newsstand. And one day, I was married now, one day I walk into my co-op in Riverdale in the Bronx and the doorman is yelling at me and throwing packages at my feet and telling me there's more. And I, I didn't even understand what he was talking about. He stuffed the elevator and he pressed three, my floor went up. He said, send the elevator back down. It was overwhelming. He was yelling. He was throwing packages at me. He was shoving letters in my hands. And then again, he came up the second time and there were boxes. Then my husband came home and he's, and he's looking at me. My husband I'm, have packages on the floor. I'm saying, I have no idea what this is. I don't know what this is. And the doorman thought I was starting a business and what am I doing illegally? So after about an hour of this repeated yelling and packages coming up and down, <laughs> We started opening them and all these people who received the magazine a week before had sent me pajamas, books, notes, cash. And my husband and I were crying, reading them. We were full up to our, our eyes with boxes and packages. And it's happened for days oh, and we were eating on them. And we, we, it was overwhelming, but in the most beautiful way. And one letter said, if you send us your um, 501c3, we'd like to give you a grant. And I looked at my new husband and I said, what's this thing, 501? 
see in parentheses three. <laughs> I had to look it up. And then I said to him, this, this is a responsibility. This is serious because these people trust me and I have to do this with an attorney. And this is, this is real and this is forever. So that was the, the biggest eye-opening moment that really cemented um, the future of what I was doing. And, and I had to come up with the name and, and register it. And I had to you know, keep that trust wow. that people, yeah. But looking back on it, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, because the way you describe it in, in the book too, I mean, boxes everywhere and you're in a small apartment. One bedroom, yeah. Oh my goodness. And now get to get a 501c3 takes a while. So you had to go through that. Yeah, sweat it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then, so that was 2001 when all of this started. Yeah. Then we, 2001, we got our 501c3. It took me over a year of doing it on the side and and overwhelming myself and keeping it secret. Oh, so when did you actually quit your job? Well, I went to project work. And then I finally had to quit and it was just, it was just too much. I wasn't sleeping. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was very, very overwhelming. And finally my husband looked at me and he said, I'll, I'll take care of us. I'll find a way. And he was, he was an actor, you know, good days and bad days. And I don't know. I just trusted him and he trusted him and, uh, you know, it worked out. It worked out. It's just, um, life, life changed. It wasn't the same. <laughs> right, was, you weren't, uh, right. You weren't Mary Richards anymore. No. And, and the money was, you know, drying up, but I didn't care. I really didn't care. And, and that's, that wasn't fair to him. Well, but he was supporting the purpose that you had found. And yeah, yeah. so you guys worked through it according to what I've seen in the book. And then you told me today, 22 years. So yeah, we celebrate our anniversary. And you know, he in the book, I, I tell you, he he taught me meditation. He helped me put things on my vision board, like, you know, Oprah. And <laughs> I was not a believer. And boy, I'll tell you, you know, he nudged me in that direction time after time. And and I said, All right, I'll give it a try. It works. It worked good. So, so now we're coming up on 2005 and Hurricane Katrina. That really uh, upped your game a little bit. Will you tell us about that? Yes, yeah, sure, sure. Um, it was still just me, and I put an ad out for a helper. That I said, I can't pay you now, but I'll pay you one day. <laughs> and actually, a woman, she answered that, and um, we were we were a perfect fit. And we were going along, you know, answering the calls and packing up pajamas. And then Hurricane Katrina hit. And one of our new supporters, a man in Westchester County, R.D. Weiss, Randy Weiss, had a, had trucks because he did flooring work. And he had just started to help support what I was doing. And um, he said, did you see this? What's happening with this hurricane? It's, it's unbelievable. Do you see these children, these families? He said, I have a truck and drivers. If you can do a drive, I'll take you down with the pajamas and we'll hand them out. So I thought, oh my goodness, it was an overwhelming idea, but of course, of course we wanted to help. So we just put our emails together and emailed everyone and we got 11,000 pairs of pajamas that we trucked down to the Houston Astrodome. That's where immediately they bust people who couldn't live because they, their houses were underwater. They bust them, if you remember the pictures, 
their families with one Tupperware each to the Astrodome. And through crazy, um, miraculous intervention by the universe and people that came out of the woodwork, we drove that truck onto that Astrodome at midnight and handed pajamas out to those families for their children. And it was, it was so um, surreal to see what I'd seen on TV, those rows and rows of cots and those families with nothing and each cot with one Tupperware bin next to it. And, and I can't, I, when I remember it, it's just still unbelievable. Yeah. And it was just, just the um, empathy and the love of everyone who read our email and our ask, ask for help just sent pajamas. So Jen, was that the first pajama distribution outside of the New York area? That was the very first um, big one. We started to get, I was on local radio shows and people were spreading the word. So we had a New York City chapter and then someone called from New Jersey, Jerry, and she said, I heard you on the station. I'm in New Jersey. Can I help you in New Jersey? And I said, sure. And she said, what do I do? And I said, I don't know, but let's figure it out. <laughs> so we had a, a couple of, you know, I called them just off the cuff chapters. They're still called chapters. And now we have 63 around the country. Oh, so there wow. were a couple that just locally collected pajamas under our name and then turned around and gave them to the um, organizations, the legitimate organizations. We checked them all out in that area. So they stayed local. This Katrina's visit, that was, that was a huge national effort. Wow, that's amazing. And so now, okay, starting to expand, starting to become like a real organization, entity. right? Yeah. A real entity, getting a few chapters. And then you get this call in 2007. Mm. Tell us about it. Yes, yes. Um, I was sitting in, we had a reading room that a, a woman generously donated that that children could come to in groups and we'd read with them with volunteers and then give them pajamas and books. And I was sitting there all by myself, which was rare because usually Terry was there. The woman I mentioned was helping me or the kids were there or whatever. And I was alone and the phone rang. I answered it. And the woman said, hi, I'm so-and-so producer at the Win Oprah Winfrey show. Do you have a minute? <laughs> and again, my head was in two places. One was saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Right. <laughs> and the other half was saying, take a breath, speak intelligently, <laughs> just take, you know, take it slow, answer her questions. And I did answer her questions. And the other half of me kept saying, do you realize who you're talking to? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. It's like yesterday. And this happened um, for a, a few weeks. She'd call with more questions and I was getting better at tuning out the one yelling at me, do I know who I'm talking to? And focusing on the one that was telling me stay calm. And I didn't tell anyone, not even my husband. Because oh, the is last that right? Thing you want to do, the last thing you want to do is then turn to them and say, sorry, they didn't pick me. So, I, and I'm a big secret is sacred. So until she asked, she called for the last time and, and she started to talk to me about arrival dates, I said, are you bringing me on the show? She said, she laughed. She said, yes. And I said, can I tell my husband? And she laughed. And she said, you didn't tell him? I said, nope. She said, yes, you can tell your husband. 
and that show you can see it on YouTube. You can see it on my uh, website. You can see it, um, the whole the whole thing on my email. It was incredible, and it was it was a really great special show. And they aired it three times because the audience loved it. And it, there's a big surprise, a big reveal. Are you going to tell us about it? No, you got to watch it. <laughs> or you could or you could read the book. But to see it is. All right, I know what happened, but secrets are sacred, so I won't tell it either then. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty incredible. And I bet from there, you must have gotten so much interest in starting new chapters. We did. We did. Um, we, we had a small article also in the magazine, and we got new chapters from, from both. So it was, um, it, was, it was amazing. And then a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago, when Oprah had the Where Are They Now special, um, they invited me on to talk about where we were then. And of course, you know, without their help, we wouldn't have been doing as much as we were. And and that was really, really special too. So yeah. So what, about a so, woman changing the world. She did. Right. She, I know she does. So, so if anybody listening now <clears throat> is interested in starting a chapter, what, what's involved in that? Um, well, pajamaprogram.org is where you go for all things pajama program. I can make an introduction to you if you want to find my information, my book, or whatever. It's genevievefuturo.com. And my email is jen at genevievefuturo.com. But all things pajama program, so easy. It's a, it's a great website with lots of information. And um, yeah, you can find out all the, the, the facts and, and the plans there. And then, you know, for everything else, reach out to me. I, I'd love to share more stories and hear what anybody is, is doing. Yeah. So you have stepped back from being the executive director. Yes. A few years ago I did. Yes. Yes. Um, I was both founder and executive director and the, the, the most beautiful part to me has always been the story because it could happen to anyone. And it does it. Aha moments happen to us all the time. And through those 20 plus years before I stepped away from the executive directorship, I heard so many stories and I spoke everywhere and I mentor and I loved, I loved trying to inspire back what inspiration I received through our growth, our good times, our hard times, um, you know, the, the recession and the scary times. I was so inspired by people who said, you know, keep going. This is special. We all have a purpose. And I wanted to give that back and I wanted to write the book and I wanted to now help the adults who are looking for their purpose. So I, I call it purpose, passion and pajamas. And, and I work with a lot of people who just don't find meaning in their, in their careers and who are looking, know what their purpose is um, and just don't know what, you know, how to give it life. And yeah. it's, it's just, that's what I, that's what I want to continue. I'm, I'm not the, the good contract person and formulating things. I, I'd lose sleep over that. And so when I went to the board, they they understood, you know, and I never expected a job program to grow this way. Thank goodness it, it is. But um, we hired an executive director who is an attorney and, you know, she, this is stuff that she loves. She, can, she does it so well, much better than me. So I told her, you know, she's taking my baby to college. Yeah, I know. And isn't that great when you have found your purpose. Now you've kind of grown it to where it's bigger than you thought. And now you can go back to what your heart voice 
told you is yeah. to do and to guide and inspire and lead. And yeah, so that's part of what we do at Hey Boomer is to guide and inspire and lead. And I love that. Um, I have a question here. It says, do people or businesses donate books and pajamas? How can we do that? Yep. New pajamas and new books. Um, go to pajamaprogram.org. Okay. Depending on where you live, um, you can it can stay local or it can stay national where the need is. So you can go to donate, or if you want to find out locally the chapter information, go to the chapters tab and put in your zip code and it'll come up and you'll have a contact information. And you can say you're doing a drive, your company wants to donate. Um, it, it's all there. So, and if you have trouble finding it, you know, you can email me, but it's, it's um, pretty easy to find. Thank you. Yeah, sure. So, um, just another question about if you look back now at the gen in 1999 or 2001 that you were, you know, finding this passion and working and carrying bags and stuff, what kind of advice would you give her now? I think, you know, back then finding your purpose wasn't something that was, um, you know, in the mainstream. And I often think, I wish I had that aha moment when I was 22, but you know, we know it comes when you're ready. And I guess I wasn't ready until I was 38 and had to go through what I did to appreciate it. Um, but I would, I would just wish she were more in tune with her heart and not, um, and not looking for the traditional route of making money and being, you know, successful in, in a, a traditional way of, of finding a job. I wish, I wish I had listened to those little nudges in my heart and those little um, feelings of wanting to follow a different path. Because I do think that I heard them and I ignored them. I think a lot of us do because we just don't see a way. And that's why I, I teach people, you can either jump like I did or I'll help you slide your purpose into your life. Because once, once you ask yourself, what is it I meant to do? Why am I here? What, what brings me joy that I can share? Everything changes, purpose changes everything. And I also learned, and I, and I talk about this a lot, the secret to the power of one. I've heard, and I even said it to you, Oprah changes everything. The power of one, you know, wow, one person can change the world, one person. And, you know, sometimes I heard that about pajama program. Oh, look what you did. No, in 20 years, I can tell you for a fact, it's not the power of one that changes anything. It's the power of one another that moves mountains and moves people. Yeah, I love that power of one another. And I think that's true. Yeah, it took me a while. Um, and then it like, it was clear as day. Yeah. And I think I one know. of the things I, I think one of the things that stops us, too, is is, you know, we have this script like you were going to be Mary Tyler Moore or Mary Richards. You know, we have this script that we've written for ourselves or that our family has written for us. And that's what we do. We're supposed to go along and do that. And I mean, kudos to you at 38 that you figured it out and took the leap then uh, or because of your obsession, you couldn't help but take the leap. Right. I didn't figure anything out. <laughs> Not then. Yeah, but some of us, it takes longer to figure it out, you know, or we 
the purpose changes as you have just realized too, now that you are a speaker and a motivational guide, coach, whatever. So I think it's just to continue to keep listening. Yeah. And I think listening to each other, listening to our stories, supporting each other. And, you know, it's, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to say, I don't know. It's hard to say, I really want to sing. You don't have to change your career and sing if you, if you can't, you know, if you don't make it to Carnegie Hall, that doesn't mean you don't have, you can't give your purpose life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many ways to bring singing into your life that will change, you know, it's your purpose. It'll change everything. So yeah. it doesn't have to be as dramatic as, you know, what I did or, or some people who, who make the leap it doesn't. There's a way to bring your purpose into your life. Right, right. And I think the other thing I've heard about purpose is that, you know, we, we put so much weight on it, right? Like, well, if it's not solving world hunger or curing cancer, mm-hmm. then it's not a valid purpose. And I think there's purpose with a small P and purpose with a capital P. So, you know, I, I think take the pressure off. Yeah. And I had, as a lot of nonprofit founders have a lot of doubt, like, why, what am I doing? Is it really changing anything? Is it making anything better? You know, I have pajamas that I'm giving children. Really, I'm not giving them a home. I'm not taking them away from crazy people who are going to hurt them. It's a pair of pajamas to sleep in. But I, I was taught by a very smart man who said to me, no, you take the ball only so far. You have one job to do. The next person has a job to do. And the next person, you're one in a line of all of us who take a piece and be proud of the piece you have. It's up to the next person to take it a little further and the next person to take it a little further. And that's how we create this this universal um, shoulder for, for people to lean on. So be proud of your one piece. It's just a piece in a long line of, of ways that people are helping. So I felt a lot better. I thought that was really that was really great because yes, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. It's not enough. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, it changed everything for me. Yeah. So as you know, Hey Boomer is all about inspiring people who are 55 and beyond to live life to their fullest, to find ways to make a difference, to live their purpose, to impact their community. So I'm wondering if you have two or three takeaways that you can leave for people listening today. Um, Yes. What I said before, I'll I'll expand. When I work with people, it's either a jump or a slide. And a lot of people coming out of this pandemic or through the pandemic have been reevaluating their life choices, their careers, and some have been pushed into making decisions that they wouldn't have made a year ago. We all know what's on the back burner. So many of us have something that we've got back there that when the kids are out of the house, when I save enough money, when I retire, I'm going to do what I love. There's a way to slide that in. And I think now is such an important time to do that. It's a gift you can give yourself after this year of anxiety and worry. We need to give ourselves that gift of hope. So I'm happy to talk to anybody at no cost just to let you you know, talk about that back burner thing and brainstorm some ideas because once you bring that into your life and you slide it into your life everything changes how you feel about yourself how you see everything even your job 
how your family and your colleagues react to you because they're going to feel it too. And it's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be better that you are telling yourself, this is for me and I deserve this now. And I don't have to worry about it taking over my job. I can just keep it in my life as my, my love. Yeah. I love your passion, Jen. It, 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 you speak with such sincerity and I wish you so much luck with this new career of being the speaker and motivational coach. I think that's going to be great. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I've been sharing your website and your, um, Oh, thank you. And your email address. So if anybody has not copied it down and um, you've missed it, so please let me know. You can email me or put a message in the comment box and um, we will get you in touch with Genevieve. Um, I'd like to thank our co-sponsors for the Boomers Thriving After the Pandemic Virtual Summit, the Meals on Wheels of Greenville and the Walk to End Alzheimer's. With your registration, each one of those organizations is going to get 10%. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm very happy to be able to give back in those ways also. Um, that's a big, important part of who I am too. So I love that's that. Great. That's great. All heart. Yeah, all heart. You can uh, register for the summit at heyboomer.biz. So be sure and look for that there. Let's see, I've had a couple of comments come in. So let me see. Um, Doris says there is a South Carolina chapter of the pajama program. So good to know. Good to know. Kathy says connecting with one's purpose is such an empowering and activating motivation. Mm. Thanks for sharing your story and inspiring us with your mission. Your work matters. Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you about our guest for next week. Her name is Kimberly Best, and Kimberly is the Senior Director of Development for the Alzheimer's Association, the South Carolina chapter. And in this capacity, she manages staff and volunteers across the state that raise funds needed to support the programs, services, and research efforts of the Alzheimer's Association. And as one of our co-sponsoring organizations for the Boomers Thriving After the Pandemic Summit, she will talk with us about some of the programs that are offered by the Alzheimer's Association, and we will try to promote our Hey Boomer Walk team to get more people to sign up and donate to that. Uh, Jen, I always like to end my show with a quote from C.S. Lewis, and he reminds us that you are never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. Love that. Yeah. So thank you all for joining us today. I know you loved Jen's story, very inspiring. I wish you so much luck. Um, and I look forward to seeing everybody back next week. Thanks. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you everyone who tuned in. <laughs> Thanks.